Hi, my name is Paul Roberts, and I'm the Cyber Content Lead here at Reversing Labs, and I'm here to welcome you to the first episode of a new podcast that we're doing called Conversing Labs. It features conversations about threats, threat detection, and cyber defense. Every two weeks, Conversing Labs will introduce you to the best minds in threat intelligence, malware reverse engineering, threat hunting, and software assurance. We'll take on the news of the day and unpack the latest threats and attacks to help give you critical insights that can help with your own risk assessments and cyber defense. This week, we're focusing on the war in Ukraine and taking a close look at some of the new malware that's appeared in Ukrainian cyberspace, both preceding and following Russia's invasion on February 24th. Our guest is Mislav Boros, who's a threat researcher here at Reversing Labs, and we're going to be talking about and analyzing Hermetic Wiper and Isaac Wiper, which are two Wiper malware variants that have been used to attack Ukraine. We're also going to talk about a third variant, Caddy Wiper, that's just been discovered in recent days. I'm going to just start out and introduce myself, and then I'm going to pass it to Mislav and let him introduce him, himself. Um, my name is uh, Paul Roberts, and I'm the cyber content lead here at uh, Reversing Labs. Uh, I'm a longtime cybersecurity journalist, um, started a publication called The Security Ledger, and uh, so I've been writing about cybersecurity and, uh, for about 20 years, and I'm really happy to be working here at Reversing Labs with some of the uh, just top minds in uh, cyber threat intelligence and research, and I'm happy to be able to be here and kind of help along with uh, conversations. Um, Mislav, uh, tell, tell the folks about yourself. So, hi, Paul. Thanks for the introduction. I'm very excited to be a part of this first episode. Hopefully, we'll give some insights and know-how that people will find interesting. So, my name is Misla Borosh. I'm a threat analyst here in Reversing Labs. I'm, I'm actually a part of the Titanium Core team. And Titanium Core, for those who don't know, is actually our static file analysis engine. And most of our other products are built on top of it. It's responsible for file identification, uh, unpacking a lot of different file formats, metadata extraction, and uh, behavior indicator extraction and file classification. I've been in inf information security like for 10 years. I've been in the military. I've been a penetration tester. And for more than uh, three and a half years, I've been a threat analyst here in reversing labs. Thanks so much. It's a, a really impressive resume. Um, so. I, you know, when we're talking about um, these Ukrainian wiper malware um, variants, this is a something that, you know, is really coming to a head right now with the conflict between Russia and Ukraine, Russia's invasion of Ukraine on February 24th. Um, but this is not a new phenomena. In fact, the NotPetya malware, um, which uh, circulated back in 2017, also began in Ukraine looked initially like it was ransomware, but ended up really effectively being a uh, wiper malware. So this is something that we're seeing more and more of. And Mislav, I think maybe just to start off, I thought I'd ask you to kind of talk about the difference, like what makes, uh, for somebody like yourself, what, what determines whether something is a wiper malware or just ransomware? Well, the main difference between uh, Wiper and ransomware is the goal of the attacker because the uh, threat actor behind ransomware wants to have some financial gain from the, from the malware. He wants to encrypt your files and he wants to be able to decrypt them if you pay him because he, if, if someone 
you know, if other organizations that were hit by the same ransomware will hear that uh, the malware operators do not successfully recover your files, they won't probably pay them. So they want to have a successful business model where, where they successfully encrypt your files, probably steal them and uh, threaten to publish them publicly and they want to get paid. Now, on the other hand, the threat actors behind Viper malware simply want to destroy data on your computer, have no financial gain, and basically it's just to disrupt services in a certain area or certain organization, industries, and similar. Right. So, so I mean, it's all about the outcome, right? And ransomware, there's an interest in preserving the integrity of the system that you infect because that's what ultimately they're going to pay you to get access back to. Wipers, there's, there's no such interest. They're really just destructive. Yeah. Now, there are some ransomware malware families that we like to call Vipers, but these are just poorly implemented <laughs> families. Bad ransomware. But, right. Yeah, it's just bad <laughs> ransomware. So, yeah, different kind of Viper. Um, so, we um, know that the invasion of Ukraine began on February 24th. That's when the kinetic uh, attack began. Um, what did... what? What's the timeline for the wiper malware? So we had two variants in, in, that were identified in the sort of early days of the invasion. One was Hermetic Wiper, the other was Isaac Wiper. And we're gonna we're gonna get in the details of both of those. But like, what's the timeline on those? Do we have any sense that you know these predated um, the kinetic attack? Maybe existed for and, and were used for other purposes prior to it, or what, what do we know? Well, we can go a few weeks back to January, where Ukraine suffered uh, another Viper attack called Vespergate. And actually, this malware presented itself as ransomware, but quickly researchers saw that the data was practically unrecoverable because it also it would wipe the master boot record, which is actually uh, the first sector on the disk where all the data about the logical partitions and basically shows where the operating system is located. So this is similar to the way NotPetya operated back in 2017. And it was kind of a foreshadowing of what was going to happen on when the kinetic attack actually started. So uh, asset research actually found the sample on I think February 23rd and as soon as they published their research, we found the samples in our titanium cloud, which uh, we, we probably got into our network of malware sharing. So uh, yeah, I can show you something interesting. Sure. So when, when talking about timeline, uh, I'll share you a view from uh, the A1000, which is our malware analysis platform. It basically uh, has the static analysis results, dynamic analysis results, and combines combined with other threat intel data such as uh, AV results and similar. So one of the samples had the encoded time date stamp dated to 28th of December, 2021. So if this wasn't tampered with, probably means that this was like compiled months ago and was probably stockpiled and was waiting to be used in something large scale such as this. This isn't really uncommon for 
probably an actor of this caliber where they tend to stockpile, as we'll show later, certificates. They'll try to stockpile other malware. That's They try to stockpile access to networks and just try to use them all at once to maximize the damage done. Because after they use them, they effectively burned all of those. So, so this was for whatever threat actor was was responsible for this. This was something that they had line, you know, on the shelf, ready to go at least uh, two months ahead of the actual attack. Um, we can tell that by the timestamp. That's really interesting. Yep. Um, um, one of the other interesting aspects about this um, hermetic wiper is and part of the reason it's called Hermetic Wiper is that the malware was actually signed with a valid extended validation certificate. Um, so these are digital you know, PKI certificates that um, you know, with EV search, you're actually doing a lot more work up front to um, identify yourself and verify your identity to get the cert. Um, and it was signed with one of these. Um, how, I guess, um, talk about that, Ms. Lab. Like why, why would they go through that trouble and how common is it that you're seeing you know, malware, ransomware, wipers, whatever, signed with like EV certs. Well, I'll show you another screen in our AV output. So this is what you were talking about. Yeah. So the malware is actually signed by a certificate that was issued to Hermetica Digital LTD. Yep. Now, this, this is actually a company from Cyprus, a one-man company. And it was actually found that the person behind the company actually did no development work at all it was he was basically a content yeah. creator for something of writer basically so what we had here is actually a fraudulently issued certificate so the threat actor behind the attack actually had to go through some social engineering uh, some human to, to get in contact and to really get this certificate issued and just to expand on the timeline this certificate is valid from April 13th. So uh -huh. this just goes where I was saying a bit earlier that the threat actor of this caliber would stockpile all of these assets like certificates, different malware, access to different networks and, and other. So really, and, and you can see the issuing um... Uh, CA certificate authority. There's Digicert, very highly respected uh, CA, US-based CA. Um, and so what you're saying is there was actually, even before the malware was created, there was this additional work that was going on to obtain this certificate. So this was a uh, issued certificate, not simply one that was stolen. It was issued to the threat actors who were posing as this Hermetica digital LTD uh, again, not a software publisher, so shouldn't need a code signing certificate, um, but one was issued to them um, as far back as April 2021. So that pushes the date back almost a year before the actual attack. Yeah, using of stolen or forged certificate is nothing new. We've written several blog posts about it a few years back, but it all in all shows that this was a planned attack that involved forethought and execution well in advance of the deployment of the malware itself. Right. And just to like, not to belabor the point, but like to use that extended validation sort that legitimately issued and, and, and vouched for certificate, that's going to make it much harder for endpoint detection or uh, uh, tools to 
uh, assess that this is actually malicious code as opposed to legitimate code if it's if it's signed by a by a CA that's vouching for the for the code, right? Well, not to get into specific names, but some tools are like short-circuited when the file is uh, successfully signed with a valid certificate. Yeah. So, yeah. This is all about avoiding detection, obviously. Yeah. Um, so uh, one of the other interesting things that I know we, we talked about this and that you brought up was that when you look, when, when you look deep into Hermetic Wiper, one of the other things you found um, was that it was reusing actually some commercial um, dispartitioning um, components, li um, uh, libraries that are not in and of themselves malicious. Um, can you talk about that? And how often do you see that with either wiper malware or, or ransomware that they're leveraging a um, legitimate uh, partitioning tool to do their dirty work? Yep, sure. So, uh... Basically, this came, became uh, a bit fishy when we saw that the original sample, if you look at the extract files, has, besides this icon generic and PNG resources, which are pretty common, four compre Microsoft compressed resources. And luckily, these are automatically uh, decompressed and unpacked with Titanium Core. And we could see that these were actually P sys files, which are actually device drivers. So the driver, uh, the malware itself comes with four different drivers, which are actually also signed, which are actually uh, easy use partition master, which is actually a free partition software used for partitioning the hard drive and reorganizing this space like any other partitioning tool. Right. Uh, like we can see that it's a, it's a bit older software. And I think the, the attackers didn't completely trust the software. We'll talk a little bit about later about that. Yeah, it's got a but, yeah. 2012 so, date, 2014. Yeah, 2012, right. Yeah, uh, and you mentioned like usage of uh, legitimate tools. So yeah, this is, this is a legitimate tool. It's not, it's by itself, it's not malicious and it's not, it's not uncommon for malware to use like third-party libraries to leverage their functionalities for their own for their own gain or but it it's not that common. I haven't seen it in Vipers to to use partition software in such a way. What do you what do you think's behind that, Mislav? Why why use this um, you know legitimate partitioning component? What what was the advantage they were getting by that? Was it was it just about speed, kind of time to complete the 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 malware itself or was there something else going on? So they actually did a very thorough job to wipe the, the disk. Like you can override the master boot record we talked about, but to, to write over any, uh, to write in deeper over any other sectors like the MFT of the NTFS, that's the master file table, you would need some workarounds or some custom, uh, custom code, but they use drivers just for that. So uh, just to expand uh, the drivers a bit, like we've seen four different drivers. So the malware before installing these drivers has to actually decide which drivers to install. So it queries some system information and 
decides depending on if the system is 32-bit, which version of the operating system is running, which driver to install. And to install the driver, it has to, uh, has to get the SE loaded driver privilege, which we also immediately saw in our static behavior indicators. It's here at the top. So even before dynamically analyzing the samples, we already knew that it was going to install these drivers. But what drew us off at first a little bit was that they were legitimate drivers. So there weren't any malicious code that was actually part of them. So in theory, that might that might throw from a threat detection standpoint or analysis detection would that would that make it harder to know that this was a malicious versus a legitimate program or well it, it gives a, it gives a, like a head heads up to what the malware may, may actually do but it still right. doesn't paint the whole picture right so. um and um so i think one thing to, to keep in mind is is hermetic wiper was actually just one component of this wiper attack on these organizations within Ukraine. Um, and that there were other companion malware that went along with it. And there have been two that have been identified. One was the uh, Hermetic Wizard. And then there was a, another kind of almost like decoy program called Hermetic Ransom. Can you tell us what, what we know about those? Yep. So it was initially reported that the Hermetic Viper was pushed through uh, global policy updates, which means that the uh, attackers had access to, to systems and to organizations' networks. But uh, it was also spread using the Hermetic Wizard, mm -hmm. which is actually a worm that contains... Uh, three different DLLs to our spreader components. And one is the Hermetic Viper itself. And it's also signed by the Hermetica digital uh, signature. And it's, uh, it's got its name through the exported name. It's called wizard.dll. So what the Hermetic Wizard actually does is it just enumerates all the network available network resources and tries to connect to different ports of the available resources through FTP, SSH, HTTP, or, or other, and simply copies the payload, which is the worm itself, to another computer, and then runs the Viper malware. Now, so this is a pretty, also, pretty typical kind of worm, worm behavior. Yep, yeah. 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 Just like we've seen in Petya, but the not Petya had the uh, luck that it leverage the eternal blue exploit which right. in enterprise environments which didn't keep up with the patches were right. mostly vulnerable which led to the widespread of not petya malware that's right so we saw the same stuff if i recall we saw the same mix of so you so you mentioned the group policy and and kind of um leveraging like active directory compromises to to spread the malware and then also this worm component which is which is you know looking to exploit yeah like open ports or, or, you know, vulnerabilities or whatever. Like we saw that actually with NotPetya as well, if I recall also like that dual, dual approach. I mean, obviously you're looking to, to spread as quickly as you can and using as many different strategies to do that as you can. Yeah. NotPetya also used the PSExec with the dumped hashes alongside right. with the Eternal Blue. So that maximized it. Right. 
So the difference is the difference is that Eternal Blue exploit, which highly effective and and you know it was Windows based, so just a lot of a lot of vulnerable systems out there that hadn't that hadn't patched at the time. Yeah, I was in pen testing at the time, and it was actually our bread and butter for a year. <laughs> yep, uh, full employment act for uh, pen testers. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, um, and um, for the for that Hermetic Ransom. Um, a piece what do we what do we know about that thing yeah it was also called a party ticket party uh, ticket was, yes right yeah, right. yeah. by some researchers it was actually a ransomware written in go and basically it was just a, a decoy just to throw to throw people off while the hermetic viper did his job in the background kind of creating creating a distraction for security teams uh, what yeah. have you they're yeah, responding because, to the wrong yeah, I mean, ransomware is so widespread today, so they would probably, uh, so they would probably uh, uh, think that it's just another ransomware attack. So they would probably throw some alerts off and write it off, like being a part of that. Like we resolved the threat, and actually, the real threat was still present on the system. So uh, let me just uh, message to the attendees. Um, we are going to be taking questions and answers um, shortly. And, and so you can use the, um, the Q&A feature on Zoom webinar. And if you've got a question for Mislav around uh, either Hermetic Wiper, Isaac Wiper, or other questions, feel free to, to ask them. And we'll, we'll take those questions um, uh, very shortly. So just want to make you aware of that. Um, can we talk about the uh, Isaac Wiper um, uh, threat that that also was identified subsequent to Hermetic Wiper. Okay, yeah, sure. So a day afterward, uh, Isaac Wiper was discovered, and it was discovered on uh, it. It wasn't deployed on the same network as Hermetic Wiper, which probably tells us that the actors behind the Isaac Wiper were in some sort of coordination with the actors behind the Hermetic Wiper. So what's interesting is that it's much less sophisticated than the hermetic wiper and uh, its initial name was due to the uh, due to the pseudon number generator it it used to uh, to corrupt files it eventually turned out that it wasn't the isaac pseudo random number generator but the name stayed so unlike the Hermetic Viper, the Isaac Viper- So it was using was, this random number generator to just throw junk data into files. Yeah, at the, yeah, at the beginning of the files, at right. the beginning of the master boot record and right. so on. So uh, yeah, it, unlike the Hermetic Viper, it was not digitally signed. So they didn't use, so either this was used by another threat actor or they didn't have another certificate available. Uh, Probably, I mean, they could use the same certificate because the time frame was practically a day apart. Uh, so, what's interesting about the Isaac Wiper is the presence, and what really shows the lack of sophistication is the presence of the debug strings, like the the malwares pretty easy to analyze because it ha had all these uh, strings, like uh, when it enumerated logical drives, it would print them to a file. Uh, when it started erasing logical drives, it would print that to a file. So it was really uh, easy to pinpoint which function does what. 
and to create a detection rule really quickly for it. So this is like this random prints are something we who are not like full-time developers are all guilty of just putting random prints at random places of the code just to see just to see where the bug actually is. Now this tells us that probably the malware didn't work as intended initially. So they probably didn't corrupt all hard drives. Then they wanted to see if the enumeration is going right. And what's also notable is that it does it's corrupting in a single thread. So this probably mean it's very slow. Right. So this is mal this is malware that they deployed really before it was working uh, uh, reliably. Yep. Yeah. And actually, yes. Yep. So it probably means that they like probably mobilized all the assets they had from probably different threat actors and just try to get everything out there and throw everything at once. And that's it. So for organizations or for folks who are on the line who, you know, are, are, are concerned about this, these types of threats in their own environment. Um, and again, as people have pointed out, there's nothing, these are not gated threats in any way. They're not checking for Ukrainian language, you know, keyboards or, or you know, uh, IP addresses. So these are threats that could easily spread beyond Ukraine. Um, so if they're worried about these or other similar types of um, threats, wiper threats, um, any suggestions or tips for how they can improve their threat detection, improve their threat hunting, kind of use some of the information that you, you've presented here to, to help them? Well, what's really scary is that it looks like the attackers had initial access to the compromised systems. So if you would have something which is, a, I don't know, uh, something like a phishing email, which is of low complexity, you know where to look for it. But this were probably specifically, I mean, each organization that was targeted was probably targeted in a no unique way where the attacker, manual attackers probably did recon, found out where the entry points were when establishing football, did some lateral movement to enable to just to get to the domain control, which basically means the access to the whole enterprise network. Yep. So there's no simple way to answer how, how to protect from it. Like we can suggest uh, endpoint protection and deploying different detection rules, but you really User have to work. privilege, right? I mean, you know. Yeah, you really have to work from the ground. You really have to work from the ground up and like do everything that uh, makes lateral movement harder, stuff like not using labs, not using admin passwords, not using uh, domain uh, admin accounts to log into different uh, machines other than the domain controller and just stuff like that. So good security practices in combinations with some good security solutions and just to have the oversight of what's happening on your network. So you have the, the time to respond. Um, we're going to take questions in a second. So if you've got them, uh, use the Q&A feature. Um, so Mislav, in the last couple of days, um, ESET um, and, and others have identified yet another wiper, this one called Caddy Wiper, um, also circulating on systems and networks in Ukraine. Has Reversing Labs had a chance to take a look at that? Well, yeah, we actually, we actually had. We already wrote a Yara detection rule for it yep. as soon as it as soon as it was available. So it doesn't 
uh, it was, I think it came in on Monday and it had no code level similarities to Hermetic Viper or Isaac Viper. It was not digitally signed. Uh, it, did it does destroy the user data and goes through all the uh, dispartitions and overwriting them. And it has some one interesting feature that that actually tells us that it's targeting the enterprise environments is that it checks the if it's being run on a domain controller. This is probably due to the, the attackers don't want to uh, like destroy the whole domain and keep the access to the system for possible future attacks. So, really interesting, and and we'll share actually the link. So you mentioned. Versing Labs publishes YAR rules for a lot of different uh, threats, and we've got them for Isaac Wiper, Hermetic Wiper, and Caddy Wiper. Um, we've, we've released those in the last couple of weeks, so we'll share that link uh, on the chat as well um, so that folks can um, hold on for everyone, not just for the panel. So we tend to respond to these threats as quickly as we can and share them for everyone so they can everyone is free to download them on our public GitHub repo. If just in case people don't know, like what, what can they do with these Yara rules? Like how can they, how can they operationalize them? Well, we, we tend to write these Yara rules to be classification Yara rules, not threat hunting rules, but you can like uh, use them with regular Yara executable just to uh, search for the, probably for the files on your system. All right. Um, hey, Carolyn, do we have any questions uh, for for our uh, for Mislav? We do have a few questions. Hi, everybody. My name is Carolyn. I'm a cyber content creator here at Reversing Labs. Um, so let's get started with some questions. Great. Um, so first question for you, um, Mislav. Have you only seen uh, these wipers in Ukraine, or have you seen samples of them discovered in other countries? Well. Actually, uh, they came to prominence in Ukraine, and especially in the last few months, but there were some Viper reports uh, being used in Iran, being used in Saudi Arabia, being used by North Korea, like in, uh, even in the Sony attack a few years back. So, but they really came to prominence with NotPetya and in the recent few months. Um, next question for you. Um one that I hopefully you can answer. Um, what was the language or languages the attacker used to write these wipers? And is there any pattern there? Well, there isn't any special pattern. There are no apparent similarities between all these wipers, but they did write the hermetic ransom in Go. So that was probably, they probably need to do it quickly, something to throw people off. So they probably used Go for that. Uh, next question. What Linux malware are you seeing being exploited in the wild against Ukraine? Well, we haven't seen anything of what would be as widespread as the as these vipers, Pro most probably due to the fact that these attack uh, like uh, enterprise networks, which are all on Windows ADs. So, so mostly these are the ones that we analyze. Okay, and then we have one last question um, for right now. Uh, did Caddy Wiper target Russian keyboards at all? I believe not. None of this, none of these uh, Vipers were actually had switches like this that they would ignore certain keyboards or certain areas like Paul mentioned IPs or anything similar. 
so I mean, what can, what should we know about? Uh, there's been a lot written about these just because of their connection with the with Ukraine. I mean, is your sense, Mislav, that these that, that that these are pretty widespread within the country, and that these are now they're out there and they're going to kind of be with us for a while, um, or are they getting a lot of attention because of the context, but compared to other threats that are out there now, you know, Conti or whatever, um, not not such a big concern for organizations that aren't actually in the war zone. Well, uh, they definitely show the the effect of the of the malware that it can have really a like a widespread effect. So basically, I think the context has a lot to do with it, and this is probably not the end of it. Uh, I'm not sure if the like if there would be any sense for I don't know for the same attackers to attack someone outside the the Ukraine currently, uh, but I don't know. We will see. And I know one of the interesting points that you've made to me before is like you can really see the effort and planning that went into Hermetic Wiper that. You know, for the groups, whether they're nation state groups, cyber criminal groups, terrorist groups, whatever, if they're using this, if, if they want to, they're going to put a lot of time and effort into creating this malware and equipping it, like with the extended validation cert, might take months of planning, but the payoff for them is very high effectiveness, but they're not going to just burn those, those that type of a, a threat on a, you know, on a low value uh, target or you know they're going to save those for very special operations well yeah most definitely they really want to spread the effect of the malware as as much as they can so right. what we've seen actually like the caddy viper came two or three weeks after so i don't know if they needed to have some more time to develop another wave of the attack they didn't count on the that the another wave should be necessary so we'll, uh, we'll probably see more of those while this conflict continues, probably not as, not as uh, advanced as Hermetic Viper, but certainly they have some more in their sleeves. We do have some more questions. Um, okay, go ahead. You want me to shoot yeah, them yeah. your way? Yep. Um, so were any of the Hermetic Isaac Caddy samples found in Thai Cloud prior to the start of the war? And if so, were they detected as malicious prior to the um, SF research being published? So no, we didn't have any uh, samples in the cloud before, but we did manage to capture some parts of the uh, uh, of the hermetic bunch, like with our ML model, we caught the ransomware, but with our ransomware model, and we did actually caught the a hermetic wizard with our experimental ML model as well. So theoretically, if they were in cloud before, we would have classified them, but they weren't. Okay, cool. Another question uh, for you. Did you notice any similarities from the BDP paths and code similarities with other threat actors? So no, we cannot still do any attribution. In these attacks, just, we just have circumstantial evidence that point to Russia and that's mostly it. Okay, so that's all we have for now. Um, if anybody has any more questions, please uh, use the Q&A function. Um, but for right now, I think we're good. 
Again, for most organizations, right, attribution is a little bit secondary, right? Like you're, you're focused on defense and detection and, and that in some ways is independent of who's behind the threat. Although obviously it is, it is you know, really important to know and, and there are bigger implications behind these. So um, really good questions from everybody. Thank you so much. And um, this will be uh, recorded. This is being recorded and uh, it'll be available for um, viewing after, after the fact. Um, we'll send you a link when it's up on our website. Um, so before we go, we actually have, um, for all of you, who thank you for joining us for our first ever Conversing Labs episode, and we have a um, t-shirt giveaway. We've got a, a certain number of t-shirts to give away, um, and uh, to, to kind of qualify for a t-shirt, we're going to give you a little uh, three-question poll, and um, I think uh, I, can, I can probably do this. Um, uh, this is the uh, first question. And for everybody who answers the, the three questions right, you will uh, get a uh, T-shirt and uh, we'll follow up with you to get the mailing address. This is North America only, I'm afraid. So if you're if you're attending from somewhere else in the world, um, we'll get some other gift out to you. But but uh, T-shirts are a North American thing. And the correct answer uh, for those of you who uh, took it, obviously, was uh, three. Uh, uh, was sorry, was uh, question answer number four, ESET. Uh, discovered it, uh, the hermetic wiper initially, um, and, and Isaac wiper as well. Um, okay. Um, second question here. The name hermetic wiper comes from what? Does it come from the malware's secret hermit-like qualities, the malware's superior construction, Hermetica Digital, the company the malware claimed to belong to? Ending that poll. Okay. 91% got the right answer, which was Hermetica Digital, company malware claim belonged to is a Cypriot uh, one-person company not involved in software development. Um, but thank you to those three people who fell for the hermit-like qualities. Um, that was that was good. Makes me feel good. Uh, <laughs> okay. Final question. This is for all the marbles. This is for the t-shirt. Uh, or sorry, wiper malware generally, this is wiper malware generally, not hermetic wiper, but wiper malware generally has only been observed in the wild in Ukraine, has been observed in the wild in other countries besides Ukraine, or is incredibly common and has been observed in the wild everywhere. Okay, I'm going to end the poll. Okay, split pretty evenly. The, I think the correct answer is, is has been observed in the wild in other countries besides Ukraine, but is not incredibly common. And, and certainly it's not the case that it's only been ever been observed in Ukraine. Uh, Mislav, would you back me up on that? Well, you could actually, I, I would I would take both of the answers. That's you'd, correct, take both, so. you'd take two or three? Yeah, All right. It's, we'll, a, it's we'll, a gray area. Okay. Well, it's a gray area, right? What what is what does it mean to be incredibly common, right? I guess that's kind of where yeah. the where the where the gray area is. So we'll give you credit if you had two or three. Um, I I think my point in the question was kind of like wiper malware isn't just limited to Ukraine, and yet it's not as as common just as as run of the mill ransomware. It's a little bit. It's been observed in in more selective settings, um, but not just in Ukraine. But, um, but yes, if you did two or three, we'll give you credit for that. And um, we will reach out to you and get your contact information uh, so that we can send you a Conversing Labs t-shirt or some other more mailable premium if you're outside of the United States. Okay, um, that's, our, that's our conversation for today. Thank you all so much. This is gonna be Conversing Labs, gonna be a regular series. We're gonna be coming to you every couple of weeks with a, another conversation about threats, threat detection, um, 
secure software development and software supply chain uh, issues um, uh, as well. So, uh, and we're going to be talking to Mislav and some of the other great researchers here at Reversing Labs and at other organizations. Um, so thanks so much for joining us. And um, we hope to see you back here at, uh, at our next episode. And uh, Carolyn, thanks for all your help uh, managing the uh, audience. And uh, we'll do this again. Mislav, that was a great presentation. Thank you so much for, uh, for sharing your time with us. I hope you enjoyed the discussion. And if you like what you hear, do us a favor and give us a thumbs up on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the show.